the last decade, someone at some point has said to me, oh, you should really branch out. You shoot restaurants and uh, actors and blah, blah. And um, I always feel stubborn when I say, uh, Thank you. You have to say no to a lot of different types of things when all you want to do is one genre of a medium. We just turned 23. Before we start today's show, I want to introduce you to a brand new track from a DC folk singer-songwriter whom I know very well, and I'm very lucky to call my friend. His name is Eli Lev. His new song, I Wanna Tell You, was recently featured by American songwriter and is heavily influenced by his time spent working in the Navajo Nation. It's a fun track, and I hope you like the short clip from Eli. This is I Wanna Tell You. Hey there, I'm Stevie Manns, a musician from New York City and the host of This Next Song's About. If you haven't joined me before, this is a podcast for songwriters and music fans alike. In this podcast, I take you behind the scenes for a closer look at how musicians write their songs, and I'll also try and uncover some of the secrets of the music industry with experts from across the nation. Today, my guest is music photographer Shervin Lainez. Shervin made his name on the New York music scene over the last decade and has become one of the most sought-after photographers in the industry. Having started with no formal photography training, he worked his way up the ladder and has since photographed musicians such as Billie Eilish, Lizzo, Wilco, Regina Spector, Ingrid Michaelson, Walk the Moon, Sarah Borelli's, and a lot more. It's a very long and impressive list. I caught up with him to find out how he went from having no formal training to taking iconic images for some of the most exciting new artists across the world. I also ask him what aspiring musicians should think about when creating their images. I know for a fact, you are gonna take a lot of information for this conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Shervin Lainez, welcome to This Next Song's About. It's a real pleasure to speak with you and to have you on the show. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, glad to be here. So as a quick introduction, how would you describe yourself? Cause I mean, are you, would you say you're a portrait photographer or a music portrait photographer how would you how would you describe yourself exactly um i think i would describe myself as a music photographer that does portraits i think a lot of people think of music photography as taking mm-hmm. photos at concerts um or taking photos of like a live event and, and i don't mm-hmm. do that so music photography is the general umbrella of it and, and what i do is portraits yeah mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to drop some names of some people that you photographed. And the, the like, I ran out of space, quite honestly, Sherbin. Um, we've got Rufus Wainwright, Wilco, Ingrid Michelson, Lizzo, Sarah Borelli's, Regina Spector, St. Vincent, Ali and AJ. I'm a big fan. I'm with her, big fan of them too. Billie Eilish, David Byrne, Vance Joy, Tegan and Sarah, Sharon Van Etten, to name but a few. Yeah. Literally to name but a few. Uh, it's a very, very impressive list that you have there and that you keep building on. Ah, thank you. So tell me, how did you get into music photography? Really, um, since the time I was a kid, since I was, before I could remember, 
eight, nine years old, I was obsessed with music and I was obsessed with pop music and music videos and CDs, tapes. I always wanted to be involved, somehow work in music or contribute somehow. I could, I knew from the time I was a kid, but I also knew that I'm not a musician. And I feel like at a certain point, I thought to myself, you know, if I can't write and sing songs, how can I work with these people that I admire so much? So I um, mm-hmm. sort of figured out that the, that the way I could do the most collaborating would be mm-hmm. visually. And then I just sort of stubbornly made my way um, into that lane. Stubbornly? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's funny. When you start expressing an interest to take photos, I think when you're younger, people automatically assume that you want to take photos of like fashion stuff or magazines or celebrities or I don't know, weddings or just other things, you know? And so I think mm-hmm. many times throughout the last decade, um, someone at some point has said to me, oh, you should, you know, really branch out. You should, you should shoot restaurants and uh, actors and blah, blah, blah. And um, I, I always feel stubborn when I say, uh, no, no, thank you for that. So I guess that's what I mean. It's just, you have to say no to a lot of different types of things when all you want to do is one genre of a medium. Mm-hmm. So you honed in on that very early on. You were like, no, I only want to do music, photography. Yeah. It never occurred to me to shoot anything besides music until people started suggesting it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it just wasn't a part of my plan, really. That's fascinating. I love it if you're able, I think, in life to kind of know what you want to do and just go for it. Because there's so many people, I think, that amble through life not knowing or doing something else and then they find out. 10 years down the line into a different career and then switch over and change. Yeah, that's true. And I'm so grateful that I figured out what I want to do quick because it's helped me a lot to, to have a focus in a direction in, in the thing I'm doing. I think um, a lot of people wish to be artists mm-hmm. and that's a, such a vague term. It's just so general that I'm, I'm glad I was able to figure out the kind of artist that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So you moved to New York from DC in 2010. So you've been doing this a decade. And somewhere I believe you've, you've said this was a great leap of faith for you because you moved up to New York not knowing anyone and tried to find your way onto the music scene and, and meet people. No, it's funny. I, um, I remember spending a couple of years in D.C. just shooting every band that I could. The crazy thing about that is that there's only like 20 bands in D.C. So it's a small city. It's a small music scene. So what I did was I just I ran through all of those and I just took pictures of everyone that would let me in D.C., and very quickly got to the sort of end of that chain. And then a friend of mine, Laura, uh, in D.C. said, you should move. You should go. You should leave. And then my first thought was, why? I'm doing so well here. You know, like I've shot every band and and um, these people know me. This scene knows me. And she was like, that's exactly why you should go. You should go to a bigger city and be a smaller fish in a, in a bigger pond. And the second that she said that, I was I just thought to myself, yeah, that's what I'm doing, you know also stubborn it's a theme throughout my life i was just like yep that's what i'm doing now and and i i had no no idea how i was going to do it or who was going to give me an opportunity but i think that's one of the things about being young is that you just do things without with no plan so i did that and uh i had no plan i still don't Mm -hmm. have a plan (laughs) uh winging it for you seems to be working out pretty well so you go with what works my friend um (laughs) <laughs> so when you came to New York, yeah. you started working with people that would let you shoot them. Were you doing more like live music shoots at that point? No, I've, so I've never done live. I've never done concert photography. 
my life. I'm not good at it. It's very okay. hard. It's very, uh, you can't control anything. There's just so many variables. I got to New York and there was a scene around the Rockwood Music Hall area, the venue in New York. And I got to the scene and I just truly started emailing people mm-hmm. and, and messaging them on MySpace and Facebook and just saying, hi, I'm Shervin. Can I take photos of you? And I must have sent out a hundred emails. And then slowly I started shooting the people that were in that Rockwood scene. And yeah, I just worked my way through them until I was able to, to make it my job, which was, I would say it took a good six, seven months, maybe a year to like make it so that I could just do that. But, um, and you know, that scene is, is all really connected. And those, um, those people all, those musicians all talk to each mm-hmm. other. Yeah, we do. So I was lucky that they recommended me, honestly. It sounds like to begin with, you weren't super selective. And obviously now you have big, huge artists coming to you and asking you to shoot them. How do you find that shift in terms of your career a decade later? Well, it's a really gradual shift. So gradual, in fact, that it does not feel like a shift. I think over the course of 10 years, you mm-hmm. are just so excited to get work and you're so excited to get opportunities that come one by one that it's very hard to step back and look at it as a whole picture. You know, it's very hard to gauge how far you've come or what you've done when you are just in the day to day carrying your stuff to the studio and up the stairs and trying to buy gear and trying to like figure out how to light different things in different environments, you know? So it, it, mm-hmm. it was so gradual that I, the shift didn't feel like uh, much of a change. Mm-hmm. One thing I really want to talk to you about is how did you begin to differentiate yourself? Because I think your images, they're really iconic. Was that a conscious decision that you made as an artist or was that a collaborative decision? And then you found that that worked with each artist? Well, I think that, so much of it is um, dependent on the person that I'm shooting. And so if that person comes with an idea or has, mm-hmm. has some kind of uh, vision for themselves that serves their project, then my photo will be better. You know, it's very hard to give somebody a vibe and a, a style just if they have nothing, you know. So a lot of the great, the great musicians that I've shot, most of them had a, an idea. They had a, I want to, I want to look like this. I want to be in this location. I want to wear this. I want to, and so it's not all me. It's that person showing up 50% and then I have to show up 50%. Mm-hmm. And the photos that I'm most proud of are, are, it's just that. It's just the person who is like, this is the mood of what I'm doing. And I need the photos to reflect that. Mm-hmm. And then I can meet them there. Great. It's, it's wonderful that, you know, it's such a collaborative process. So in terms of that process, and you've said that, you know, it's, it's 50% you and it's 50% the person, do you have a specific process where it's very structured or do you, and you say, okay, you know, here, let's create a Pinterest board or a mood board or whatever. How do you, how do you go into it and introduce or conceptualize that process? Well, it's, it starts with the music, right? So by the time that people are ready to take photos, they have almost always finished a project. They finish a record or they've done a song. They're um, announcing a tour. Something is happening where they've just finished something. And so a lot of times I get access to that thing and they send me the project and they're like, this is the mood of what I'm doing. This is what it's called. This is where I made it. And then that determines almost fully that determines how the photo will be. You know, it's like 
sometimes a photo has to be taken in nature because that's the direction of the project. Or sometimes the photo has to be taken at the warehouse or has to be taken in a restaurant or something or on the street. So yeah, it's, it, it starts with the music and then it goes backwards from there. I am the final part of it. Usually the music determines pretty much everything else that happens. Um, or, or at least it should. Otherwise I'm, I'm just taking photos that have nothing to do with uh, an album. Mm -hmm. And famously, you don't really use hashtags or, you know, I, I think, do, do you tag artists that you're, you work with as well? I'm not sure. But you also don't engage with people that follow you. And, you know, these are, quite frankly, Shervin, social media no-nos. So how have, you, <laughs> how have you built such a following as far as you see it? Did my, did my manager send you? Did, no, did not. Yeah, here's the thing. I, um, I, I really hate the air of desperation that, that is around Instagram and like trying to get followers. Many, many people have told me that I, I should have a, a, a lot more people following me if I would just play this sort of game. And again, I stubbornly refuse to do it. But mm -hmm. I don't know, I'd, I'd like to think that these digital, these apps are just gallery spaces. There are rooms that you hang photos in, that, you know, so it's like my my website or my Instagram. It's it's a gallery. It's my it's my curated room where I can put things up in the way that I want to put them up. And it just happens to be that the way I want to put them up is not uh, trying to please the algorithm of, a, of an app. I just won't have as many followers. And I just I'm OK with that. It's I, I don't need to. Um, to be like a hotshot photographer online. You know, I, I just, I just want to shoot quality musicians and, and I, I just refuse to do that stuff to my detriment, I'm sure. And, um, but I don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> it's, it's how it is. Because I mean, a lot of the time it's about getting work and being recognized and using Instagram as a tool to be recognized as an artist and to, to move forward. And particularly also as well, you know, to have artists credit you in the shots that they use. You know, I think a lot of photographers and artists I work with, it's all about, you know, being tagged, particularly if their yeah. following is, is larger than yours. And often, in fact, that's usually a, a stipulation when you work with somebody of, oh, if you use my photo, you must credit me. Yeah, you know, it's funny, my, my thoughts on that have really changed a lot in the last couple of years. I think that if, if an artist or a big musician or a big band wants to post my photo and say nothing about who took it, that's okay. That's okay, because that's their gallery space. That's, that's their curated space. They've hired me to take a photo, and I've done that photo. And credit would be great. I would love to have that kind of attention on me. But ultimately, if it aesthetically doesn't go with what they're doing, or if they just don't feel like it, then uh, then that's okay. I'd like to think that they had a good experience with me and, and they'll recommend me or they will shoot with me again or whatever. But I mean, it happens all the time where I'll see a photo that I took that the person just posts the photo. And I used to get so mad and, and I used to get so entitled about it. But now I just think, well, that's okay. Like this is that person's uh, art space. This is their space of putting things up on their wall. You know, and my name doesn't have to be under it. It's okay. The photo can just exist. And, and if someone wants to find out who took it, they can find out. I, I think it's just an attempt not to, to be sucked into the game of, of it because then it changes my behavior if I try and play the Instagram game. You know, it'll change what I post. It'll change how often I post. It'll change the things I write under my photos. I, I just, people will find me if they want to find me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to be okay with that because I can't force people to write my name under their photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, of course. And so now you famously also worked with a lot of female musicians. I think, you know, when you said, or you have said that when you started off in New York, a lot of the female singer songwriters would allow you to work with them. And so that developed your portfolio a lot for you. And in terms of now and the way that you select clients to work with, do you have any, do you have to like the music? Is, is that sort of a stipulation for you or what is the selection process for you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think more than having to like the music, I think I have to like the energy that they're coming with. You know, I think I have to like the way in which they're communicating with me and their idea that they have. All music isn't for me, you know, like all music isn't supposed to be pleasing to me, but I've shot a bunch of like classical musicians that I, I don't listen to that music. I don't listen to violin concertos, but when the artist has uh, integrity and I feel like they are present and they want to do something cool, then it's my pleasure to do it. And and with the female thing, I mean, it's so much more than just um, that women gave me a chance. It's like female musicians created my the job I have they created the path that I'm on they allowed me to travel with them and they allowed me to they allowed me into their worlds and they they've given me such a gigantic uh backstage pass into their existence and and entrusted me with Mm -hmm. so much um just personal space that I it's 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 the foundation that all of my stuff is on and so I'm it makes me emotional to like think about how many women have given me a chance when they probably shouldn't have because I was like a kid that I was just so excited that I you know I wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. qualified to do some of that stuff so yeah it's it's monumental for me and Mm -hmm. and so I have a huge soft spot in my heart for the singer-songwriters that um the women that have fully given me a big chance Mm -hmm. do you also have a perspective or having had an insight perspective perhaps into that world and the way that women in music are perceived treated the hurdles that they have to overcome have you seen some of that from an inside view oh man like you like you wouldn't believe i mean the the pressures that these girls are under and Mm -hmm. the uh, expectations that they have on them and the amount of work they have to do to um, get the same notoriety and the same respect i mean it's a very much a male dominated industry you know the music music business is is run by men for the most part. So yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen women work twice as hard to get half as far in, in a lot of cases and the, and the, mm-hmm. the pressure for them to look a certain way and for them to dress a certain way and for them to present themselves in a, in a particular way is huge. I mean, that, that hasn't gone away. That hasn't, uh, that hasn't changed a lot, even in indie music or even in alternative music. There's, I think there's still a, a giant sort of pressure cloud over over women to pick a thing and to pick an archetype and be that you're, you know, you're either the vixen sex pot or you're the edgy dark girl, or you're the mysterious, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure to, to pick a character and be that character as a, whereas with a lot of male artists, they can just wear a leather jacket or they can mm. just wear jeans and they don't have to be a thing. Yes. You know? And so, yeah, I've, I've noticed that a lot. That is definitely something that I see very prevalently in country music. You know, you can see men who literally look like they have just stepped off a tractor, have not combed their beards, wearing a trucker cap. And you have these women that have clearly spent four or five hours in a trailer having their hairs curled and makeup put on and, 
you know, all of that stuff. And the, the difference in terms of the value that is being placed on these women before you even listen to their music and their art, I think is incredible um, in a bad way. I don't mean incredible in a good way. I mean, it's just it, the double standards there, I think, are, are they're shocking. And I think for me, that's just it was a, it was a problem that I had with that genre and that industry in particular. But that's very interesting, you know, to talk about women and the energy and the femininity as it's defined by the industry and as it's valued. In terms of someone that you've photographed more recently, Lizzo is someone who is breaking some of those rules very famously. What was it like working with somebody who was just like, you know, I'm loud and I'm queer and I'm plus sized or I think she self-identifies as fat. How do you how can you uh, show up and support her in the image that she wanted to create there? I mean, it's really interesting because um, she very much seems to know what she wants. And I mean, I, I was only I've, I've only photographed her twice. And I think both times she was like exactly what you think she would be like is just sort of very confident, and very assertive and very um, just uh, understands how to be photographed. And I think someone like her has made a choice to like wear this um, armor of, I don't care what you think. I look amazing and you just have to like capture that. And it's, it's exciting. It's a, it's like a, it's the energy around her is very, um, I don't know the word for it. It's very uh, bubbly. It's very, um, it's like um, crackling, it's simmering. There's something that's like boiling. And yeah, I mean, I found her really, um, really charming and really nice. And what a subject to photograph, sort of this, like this woman, you know, the first time I shot her, she was wearing like mm-hmm. a skin tight leather, like a mm-hmm. S&M costume. And her hair was in this tight ponytail. And she was just like owning the space that she was in and very much like walking around the room with more confidence than I will ever have in my life. <laughs> and um, it's cool to see it because she's, she's young, you know, she's younger than me. And I, and it's, it's cool to see someone um, young, just like exist, you know, like with no, mm-hmm. with very few apologies, you know, and I'm sure she has insecurities like everybody, but the choice she's made to present herself in this way is really, um, it's exciting. It's cool. It's fun to photograph. I think she's a huge inspiration to just women everywhere, but you know, particularly for me, like young women seeing that I think is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now that you've, you know, quote unquote, made it, what goals do you have in terms of potential collaborations or, you know, shoots for big publications or anything like that? Do you, or, or is there something, you know, maybe a bit different? Do you see yourself doing something similar to like Pete Souza? I'm not saying go to the White House and shoot the president for eight, four, eight years, but, you know, potentially sort of going on tour with an artist or something like that, you know, are there any kind of different aspirations that you might have now that you've kind of, you're establishing yourself as this go-to portrait photographer yeah. for music? What I want for myself really and honestly is uh, to, to do exactly what I'm doing now until I die. I think that's my, that's my uh, career path. That's my career plan. That's my five-year mm-hmm. plan. Um, not to die in five years, but to I, want to I just want to do exactly this job i want to do exactly what i'm doing and i want to be able to meet the people i've met and work with the people i've worked with for as long as i i take pictures and i think um you know there is this like expectation that freelance artists have a, a ultimate a goal like a, oh like i'm gonna shoot at snl one day or whatever whatever the thing is or I'm going to shoot for a Rolling Stone or something, but I, I genuinely don't feel that. I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want that. You know, there's no place I'm trying to get to. 
it's just, I just want to sustain this and I want to be able to, to photograph quality musicians un until it's done. You know, I'd love to make a book. I'd love to make a, a book about my, my time in New York, mm. uh, like the last decade in New York. But otherwise, it's just, yeah, I just want to do this. I want to do what I'm doing right now. And I, and I, if it stays how it is now, then I'm fine with that. There, mm -hmm. it's, that's, that's great for me. You know, that's a great, that's a great life. You can put my name down on the list for that book. I will absolutely have that on my shelf um, or my coffee table, as I'm sure I could just sort of open it up and, and you know, have, have a, a beautiful photo of one of my favorite artists there. And before we wrap it up, I do want to um, use your insights, if I, if I may, to ask a question about, you know, budding musicians who are stepping into this field for the first time or, or you know, trying to make a name for themselves and thinking about branding themselves or thinking about creating their image. What suggestions or tips might you have for those artists who are coming into that space and considering those things? Um, I think the most important thing, uh, in my opinion, is figuring out who you are and what you want to say before you sign a bunch of contracts. And I think a part of that is figuring out how you want people to see you in a photo or how you want people to see you in a video or whatever it is. It's so important for new artists to um, understand what they're entering and what they're entering is a, somewhat of a popularity contest, which can be very stressful and it can be very daunting, you know, and I think, and, and, and hopefully they don't take those pressures and internalize mm -hmm. them into thinking that they have to like look a certain way or, or, or change how they look or something, you know, I think, a lot of the best musicians I've, I've ever got to meet or photograph are people who make a decision about who they are and um, make a decision about how they want it to be perceived. I think if you if you go into music without knowing how you want people to see you, then someone's going to choose that for you. You know, whether it's a manager or a label or a, a publicist or something, it'll be chosen. You know, that decision will be made. And I think it's so much better for you to make that decision decide who you are and how you want what you want to be projected out of you and yeah it's I think it's a it's super important to to ground yourself in some identity that feels true to you because I, I I've seen people that that don't do that and like the result of that is them sort of just going with the wind and 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 becoming a new thing every year because that's what's popular you know um I think it it's that's the that's the best um path I think is like is for a long mm -hmm. career is you know sh sh deciding who you are and and figuring that out and then starting to make art and to make music you know it, it, as opposed to the other way around because you'll, you'll probably make more connected right. work if you um you know if it's rooted in some truth yeah no and we're all still growing we're all you know right. we're developing every day and figuring out who on earth we are in this world and you know making mistakes and figuring out as we go I think sometimes and especially if you're a young artist you know it's 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 a tough ask to have that all figured out and then control the narrative it's a really you know it's crazy it's a, a really amazing feeling for me to photograph someone or be around someone who you can feel you can feel it in the air that they know what they want they know who they are it, the, the photos look different in those people Truly, the, the photos look different in someone who's not grasping for either my validation or of managers or labels or the, the empowerment that I've seen in, in some people that are just like 
no, this is, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to be seen. And this is who I want to, to be in the world of music, you know? And it's so fun to, to meet someone at that level of energy who just, um, I mean, Regina is an amazing example of that. She has such an unbelievable ability to be inside of her own body and to, and to project mm-hmm. out the thing that she wants to project out and nothing else, you know, there's no, there's no, um, she's not trying to be something else. She's not trying to be hip or trying to be edgy or trying to be cool. And, and there's none of that in her. And I, and I, it's so fun to photograph somebody like that because you just, you feel it from them and it, and it makes, it makes the whole experience so much better. And um, mm-hmm. she's like, she's a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one can box her and she can, you know, no, nor would I want to. She's, she's incredible. Um, um, I had two questions actually from budding photographers. So the first question was, how would you characterize your approach to editing? Uh, trial and error and um, uh, spending so much time on it, on figuring it out that you, it becomes like a muscle memory, it becomes second nature. I think with editing, to me, the most important thing is doing it over and over and over and over and over. I mean, I used to, I used to edit the same photo like 10 different ways um, just to, just to see what I could do. Cause you know, I, I'm not trained. Like I, I never went to school for photography. So I, I knew three things in mm-hmm. Photoshop and I would, and I would try and make the photo look, you know, whatever, 10 different ways or five different ways. And that spending that amount of time looking at a picture and manipulating it, you can change the message of a photo with your editing you can change the intention of it you can change the the goodness of it you know truly like there's so much you can do and i think i think just spending the time and sort of having that obsessive like need to figure out what you can change and the emotions that you can um elicit from Mm -hmm. making a photo cooler or warmer or whatever it's really amazing what you can do by adding or taking things away or, or sometimes doing very little but ultimately it just takes a lot of time you can't just watch a YouTube tutorial about editing photography and then do it. It has to come from your own instincts and your own, and you can only develop instincts by, uh, with time having, having no life basically. <laughs> I would say the same about podcast editing in terms of sound design. Cause I do some other things with podcasting and like, it's that process of trial and error and listening to other things and go, Oh, I like that. I'm going to try that. Um, do you think that, the limited knowledge that you had to start was actually helpful in a sense of, you know, I'll give you the classic example of Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins. Carl Perkins, maybe it wasn't Carl Perkins. It was uh, the, his brother, I think, Roy. Maybe it was Roy Perkins. Um, he, he was not a bass player and he only knew a couple of things on the bass and it actually gave Johnny Cash a really distinct sound which differentiated him as an artist. So would you say that, you know, initially the limited experience you had kind of gave you a different angle or not? Absolutely. I, I think still limits create, um, they push you, you know, I think that the thing is, is when you start, you're limited by your own um, capability and your own experience. But then as you progress, you're still limited by budget, by time, by location. I mean, I've had really crazy experiences where I am told you have 15 minutes with the artists, you know, they, they have to go to a, to this other thing mm. but we need a single cover and i think that in itself the, the the boundary of it the the parameters 
closing in on you are, it does something to humans. Like we are designed to rise to that, you know, or some people don't, but I think if you are able to like it, it amplifies your own instincts. And so I think that in the beginning, having really like a fundamentally small amount of knowledge about photography helped me because I, my desire was so much greater than my ability, but I found that even once my ability was more, there are still so many limits. I mean, so many, I mean, there's so many things that as a photographer you want to do and you just can't because you don't have a high enough ceiling or you don't have a wide enough room or there's not enough light or there's not, you know, like it's so many limits that, that make, um, that really make the good stuff. I think it excites me now. Like I feel like now I used to get really anxious about it. And now when, when I have some insane parameter, like we have to shoot, but it's going to rain and, but we still have, it has to be outside, but it has to look like it's not raining or whatever. Um, yeah, I get excited now because it's, um, it's a way to sort of flex the the muscles in your brain and say, okay, well, how, how do I make this work? And how do I, how do I do this? Because it has to be done. There's only one chance to do it. And, um, and I love that feeling. It's sort of, it's like a high, it gives you this adrenaline rush and I recommend it. I recommend limits. Mm, that's interesting. It makes sense now you've said it in terms of, you know, when you work with high profile artists they're between projects and like, I've got to get this, this shoot done. I've got to go and do this interview with so-and-so. Like, you know, there's a lot of pressure to get a lot of things done. I hadn't considered that 50, you know, I, I would have thought you'd have more than 50 minutes, but I guess it's one of those where I think people run late. You need to be on time for another thing. And so your time maybe gets cut. Well, yeah. And also it's just, sometimes they just don't want to do it. Like I remember I was, uh, I did photos for the band Wilco and I was so excited. I love Wilco and their manager was like, they're staying at this hotel. The hotel is very like modern and the opposite vibe of Wilco. You know, it's not like a hotel with character. And I remember manager was like, they only want to shoot in the hotel because they don't want to go to a studio and it's cold outside. We have to shoot in this hotel. And like, you, and it's five guys, you have to make it work. And I just remember getting to the hotel and truly thinking to myself, there is not one wall or corridor or panel here that I can shoot five guys in front of that will not look like a gigantic corporate hotel. And I just remember thinking like this, this couldn't be a less ideal situation to shoot a band that I love, but there was something in me that just, you figure it mm -hmm. out because it, you know, it comes down to like, well, do you want Wilco on your, in your portfolio or not? You know? And if you do, and this is the situation you have to do it, you know? So things like that um, used to really freak me out. And now I feel like things like that, they force me back into a mentality I had when I was in my 20s of just like, mm -hmm. make it, do it, make it work no matter what. Because um, if you don't make it work, you lose, you lose a lot. Like they'll never work with you again. And you can't use these photos, you know? So in many cases, the more successful the musician, the less time they have, you know, and the more people are involved. So it's, it's, there's always some sort of balance of like, I, you know, I can't just spend all day with a legend, you know, they have a lot of things to do. Yeah. They, um, they, they don't want to be photographed all the time, you know, so that's, it's been helpful. I'm actually looking at that photo just now and I would never have guessed that that's, that would have been the limit on it. I mean, it looks like a very, it's, it's sort of, you know, got a, an aged kind of vintage feel to it. Most, I, in fact, the guy on the left, I actually don't know Wilco by name. The guy on the, the far left, he's, you know, they've all got their hands crossed in front of them. Probably I can see what you mean. Perhaps they're just not super comfortable being photographed. But they're all, you know, like I, I would imagine with a band, it's quite difficult to get them all looking good at the same time if you've got 15 minutes to do a photo shoot. Oh my God. 
God, it's a nightmare, you know, and you can't. That's a slab of metal on the roof of this hotel that was uh, construction was happening in this one corner of it. And the hotel people told us we can go over there, but it's dangerous. And so we just walked over there and there was this one slab of metal and I just lifted it up and I propped it against the hotel roof wall. And that's that. It really was like, that was it. <laughs> like this is, there's nothing else here unless you want to shoot in the lobby of a hotel, which I, I can't imagine that would work. But yeah, that's just one example of sort of many um, weird circumstances that you find yourself in, in this kind of job, but it can't, um, it can't paralyze you. It has to push you to the next place because it has to be done or else you failed. And that sucks. All right. And final question. Um, I've realized I've taken up an hour of your time, but if I may just ask one final no, question. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. For a, a budding portrait photographer or music photographer starting out, what core gear would you recommend? And not you, make, you could go into details of brands or whatever or types of cameras, but I imagine it's sort of a more broad question of what are the basic things that you need to put in your photographer's box? Yeah, get one camera and one strobe. That's all you should have for the first couple of years. If you have too much gear, you will rely on your gear in a way that will become confusing. I think it's super important to use one light for as long as you can. And then I think you will, what will happen is you'll use that light so much that you will get to know that light really, really well. And if you can use one light really, really well, you can use 10 lights well. I think a mistake that a lot of people make is sort of buying this gigantic kit, multiple, uh, like all these different, like a light for the hair and a light for the feet and like a background light. And it's, um, it's very hard to sort of master all those things at one time. But if you can just get one professional strobe light, it, it will serve you for a long time and you will figure out how the shadows work and how everything works. And then you can use whatever you want. But for me, like I just had one camera and one light for so long. It just was second nature. It became like a part of, I, I understood so well. I didn't even have a softbox at first. And you can tell if you look at my old stuff, but I just, it was so bare bones. And I am so grateful to that time because if you give yourself the luxury of having really fancy stuff and, and really excessive stuff, it will uh, make you uh, less adaptive to when you're shooting in a small hotel room or when you're shooting backstage at a, at a show or when you're shooting somewhere where you only have one light source you can always make it work with one light source. But if you're used to having five lights, then when you two asks you to shoot them in their dressing room, you will lose your mind because you won't be able to. <laughs> so it, um, I think gear wise, that's my take on it. I, people will hate that answer. Photographers will hate that answer, but it's true. I mean, for, that's just what I think. <laughs> I think that's a fascinating answer. I'm, I'm really taken aback by that. I think um, <clears throat> in terms of what we were talking about earlier with limits, I think almost, you know, limiting yourself so that you can grow and be and master the one thing, you know, and a lot of musicians say something similar about, you know, master your instrument before you start to do anything else, master your instrument. Yeah, you have to create limits for art. I, I don't think uh, creativity thrives in like an abundant atmosphere. I think creativity thrives in a li very limited, controlled environment. And at least for visual stuff, having too many options can be really... Um, can be really paralyzing and it can give you a lot of anxiety. If you can make a photo work with one light, then really you can shoot anywhere. It's, it served me a lot because I, you know, people ask you to shoot in wild places in the woods or, you know, in a, in a tunnel or whatever, like there's always a weird place to shoot. 
and you will you will almost never have the ability to have multiple lights with you. It's helped me a lot to to just know that if everything else goes away, I can I can find a lamp in the hotel room. I can find a lamp backstage and I can shoot something with it. Shervin, I feel like I have just interviewed the Annie Leibovitz of music photography. Thank you so much for your time. This was so insightful. <laughs> oh, wow. I, oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for uh, talking to me. And sorry about my audio issues earlier. <laughs> Not at all. Shervin Lainez, thank you so much. Shervin Lainez, I really learned so much from that conversation about setting limits on yourself, learning your tool or your instrument, figuring out who you are and how you want people to perceive you before you start creating your image. But the most important thing I took from Sherbin there was that he knew what he wanted to do and he pursued it relentlessly. He didn't sway from his passion and his goal. He knew it was niche and he carved out his path. I hope you find that as inspiring as I did. You can check out Sherbin's website. He is Sherbinphoto with an F.com or at Sherbinphoto on Instagram, also with an F. Next week on the podcast, I'm having a chat with a social media expert to talk about the tactics and strategies you should be deploying when launching your music and crafting your online brand. Hopefully that conversation with Shervin will get you thinking about that so you'll be raring to go and ready for the next episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. It will help us to be found and spread the word to other aspiring artists. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm Stevie Manns. See you next time.